You're listening to the Foreign Saints Podcast, bringing refreshment for those who die daily. As sure as Christ wears his crown, be sure that grace will abound. As sure as Christ is on his throne, know that victory is our own. He has the rightful claim to our life, above the siren song of race and country and clan, above the noise of selfish strife, we hear thy voice, O Son of Man. Enjoy the podcast, everyone. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the Foreign Saints podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> With uh, myself and Meredith. Uh, like I said in the last episode, bro, everyone's favorite Christian interracial couple to hate on for Jesus' sake, bro, as we try and help saints near and far uh, stay in tune with who Jesus is, man. Um, we just want this podcast to be a good pulse check for those who die daily, bro. Yeah. That's what it's, that's what it's about. Um, yeah. So we're continuing our series. This is episode two of our Means of Grace series where we're talking about. The Means of Grace. Oh, wait. Fellowship. Fellowship, bro. Come on, <laughs> bro. That's tough, man. That's tough, bro. Well, that was an amazing intro going to waste. We're going to keep it rolling. We're going to keep it rolling. Um, yeah, so last episode we was talking about the Apostles' teaching. Um, it's really foundational, and this whole series is on um, really just four core spiritual disciplines that no healthy, thriving uh, spiritual life can go without for that much time. Um, if your Christianity feels dry, washed up, powerless, whatever, check yourself against these four things. There's yeah. something that you're neglecting. Yeah. Whew. And so without further ado, um, let's get into, let's talk about fellowship. Yeah. Um, and in our conversation today, um, we're going to take this first segment here to really get a biblical definition of what fellowship is. Um, just kind of compare and contrast it with uh, what it is and what we may have seen, just some negative trends, um, you know, in our own, in our own culture. Um, and then the next half of this episode, uh, we're going to look at why it's necessary. Um, not just what it is, but mm-hmm. why it's necessary. Um, how to go about it and really, you know, just really make that case and help you see the glory of God in fellowship instead of seeing it as a chore, mm-hmm. um, instead of seeing it just as dead religion. Um, and also, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, to humble us because, like, we need that. Yeah. We need that. We need to stop letting the world uh, write our theology all the time. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but... With that being said, we're going to go into Acts chapter 2, verse 42. That's our kind of flagship verse for the series. Meredith? Yep. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
All right. Now, um, again, just like last episode, that's our second take. Um, <laughs> our second take, at least of, of this half anyway. Yeah. Um, this half anyway. Yeah. Um, but something to say, uh, I pointed out last time, and just in our talks, um, I feel like it's very interesting that the two most often neglected of those four and the two most usually wrongly defined and practiced are the two that get a clarification in this passage. You know what I mean? Like the apostles teaching and prayer is just kind of assumed, you know what those are, Mm -hmm. but fellowship and the breaking of bread, Mm -hmm. like we're actually going to let you know in this passage, what that looked like for the very first church community. Mm. Um, I would imagine as a way to show you one, what it was, how different it was from Greek culture. Um, since, you know, Luke's our Greek historian here, um, but also as a, as a ruler to kind of measure, um, to measure our fellowships by. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we see in the church here in America, just the, I think also just in American culture that has seeped into the church is a better way of saying that, you know, we, we, in our culture really strive for independence, being our own person, being our own people, I can do it by myself, you know, be a self-made man, you know, strong, independent woman. They're all singular. And I think that that's kind of seeped and saturated into the American church where I can, I can be a Christian without the church. Yeah. yeah. But you're not going to grow the kingdom, which is what you're called and um, commanded to do if you're in isolation. Um, Because that's, as we're going to dive into today, how we grow individually, but also it's not all about you, the singular person. Um, it's about Christ's kingdom. And we can't be a part of Christ's kingdom in isolation. And so the two things that I really want us to look at in this section of scripture here are the two things that the text makes clear is, you know, what their fellowship was focused on. I mean, we had a whole episode on the apostles teaching last time. So if you want to know about that, you should listen to that um but do understand that that is the first half of the foundation for Mm -hmm. what their community was based on based on the teaching of the apostles yeah like that's you know the teaching of the commandments teaching you how to actually follow after christ like that's the point of the community right so like if you have a fellowship that's not about that you already off you know what i mean like you don't need to be at this episode you need to be the previous one um (laughs) Because fellowship without a true lofty uh, lifting up of God's word, just, you know, it's, it's not fellowship. It's, it's something else. It's a counterfeit. You know, it's unhealthy. It's sick. You know, use whatever term you want to use. It's not what's modeled here. Um, but for the sake of this episode, I kind of want to focus, um, kind of want to focus more um, on the other half of what's talked about here. Mm. Um all who believed, verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Um, I'm going to pull up my notes in the Greek and figure out how I feel like uh, diving into it. But your thoughts on that when you kind of look at that, Meredith? Um, I think of, um, you know, like we've, we've talked before, just how... Um, 
this pretty much is showcasing that the church ought not to be divided, you know, and that navigating the American church with all of our denominations and whatnot does not give an air of having all things in common. Um, Cause it says in verse 44 and all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And I think that, you know, when you look at um, a snapshot of the American church, you don't see that you, you might see like a toy drive or the shoebox drive come Christmas time um, that a lot of churches across denominations do, but you don't really see a lot of um, crossing those denominational lines for the sake of ministry. Right. And you see a lot more division over the color of the carpets in the sanctuary or things, you know, that, matter a little bit more but not really like infant baptism or the style of worship played in um on a sunday morning service but no, I don't, i'll just be you know i'll be completely honest like the style of worship like doesn't matter yeah like, you know and that's a and you know and that's a huge deal breaker for a lot of people like oh you don't sing hymns i can't go here oh you do sing hymns i can't go here mm-hmm. um but what matters is you're supposed to make a joyful noise to the lord and edify each other through that by glorifying him you know, that's the whole point. But if you're going to get caught up in the weeds of all of that stuff, then you're not, you're not doing church right. You're not fellowshipping. And I think too, um, we get lost in what Sunday morning is, you know, like we call it fellowship, but what is fellowship? You know? Oh yeah, we about to. to Yeah, I know we're going to dive into that, but we, we will call Sunday morning service fellowship, but how often do you actually like, dive into each other's life on a Sunday morning service? Or are you more rushed to get to your brunch reservation or home to lunch in the crock pod, get your kids to soccer practice? Like you're not communing with your brothers and sisters in Christ on a Sunday morning, you know, more often than not. Now hold, now hold that thought. Because yeah. we about to, Yeah. I'm going to get into some Greek stuff and then we're going to circle back around to that point Meredith made. Because mm-hmm. um, it's more fire than like what we even know now. Hmm. Um, so like looking into the Greek, uh, for verses 44 and 45, um, that phrase in common, right? Uh, this is a familiar ish Greek word, uh, koinos, like, uh, koine Greek, you know, the language, the, the, the style of language of Greek that the new Testament was written in the common Greek, not like high Greek, but common, um, same word, um, you know, that was used in, what was it, Acts 10-ish, um, where, you know, Peter sees, uh, you know, that blanket brought down with all sorts of food on it. And he's like, look, God, I ain't never eaten anything that's common or unclean. Coinos or unclean, you know? Um, so when he says they had all things in common, like, it's it's that same word. And, and that surprised me. I don't know why. I don't know why it surprised me, but but it did surprise me when I saw it. I was like, oh, like because we all know how big a deal it is that the New Testament was written in not Hebrew, mm-hmm. but in Koine Greek, in the language of the people, mm-hmm. right? And we all know the reason that, that was done so that the Gentiles could more easily be brought in, right? Like the fact that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew meant that unless really you was raised in Israel, you could have the words of life and not have life. 
because, you know, unless you live there, how are you learning to speak Hebrew? You know what I mean? Um, but translating the words into the language of the common people is one of the things that, you know, really set the stage for Christianity to explode the way that it did. Um, you know, so praise God for those 70 Jewish scholars that translated the Old Testament in the Greek 100 years prior. It's really cool seeing God work all that together. Um, but yeah, it's the same word, man. The same word. Like that's how that's that's the that's how that's the level, you know, of their togetherness. It was that in common, you know, as common as the language they spoke. That's the regard at which they held all their things in common. But that word togetherness, though, that's where the exegesis gets interesting. Because I was expecting a word, but instead it's just like a prefix, epi. Epi. Doesn't have doesn't really have a definition in and of itself. But it's a word that derives its definition from the context in which it's used, which literally means, literally means that unless you're looking at the verses that come after this, you don't really know what the kind of togetherness is that the scripture is talking about. It's a word that needs context to be filled in. And what is that context? That context is verse 45. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So literally based on the construction of the Greek language, it says they were epi and had all things koinos, right? And you're like, okay, but together how? Here's how, you know, like they showed it through their actions. Their actions displayed their togetherness. And those actions very specifically were selling off their abundance to provide for the needs and the saints that were lacking. Now, let's ask ourselves, when's the last time you did that for a believer mm. in a church that you go to? Mm. Right? Because that that's the way fellowship is described, mm. you know? giving of themselves, giving of their actual resources, you know, like, I think the reason sometimes, like, it's true that giving of your time and energy and all that stuff is just as blessed as giving of, like, your physical resources, but I think sometimes the reason why we like to emphasize that is because it's really difficult to check people on that, mm. you know, like, if you're not with me all the time, how would you know <laughs> what I am and I'm not doing yeah. with my time? Right. You know what I mean? Because that's, um, which we're going to dive into in the back half of this episode of, you know, just a reminder that church isn't about you, you know, and that I, uh, one of the functions or the fruit of fellowship is that it brings you out of yourself and that um, helping to bring us out more outward and kingdom oriented instead of self self oriented. Um, we'll dive into Philippians two here in a little bit, but just considering other people's needs more significant than your own. And that that's, that's how you build each other up. That's how you're bearing each other's burdens is when you're doing life with people every day, we only see them for a brief glimpse of a Sunday morning, which you're not talking because you're listening to the pastor preach, right? You know, you're going to say your casualties at the beginning or at the end of the sermon, and then you're rushing out of there, you know. 
So you're not actually fellowshipping. You're not living life with them on the Sunday morning. But yeah, you're, you, you're together. You're yeah. You're together. You're physically, physically. <laughs> sitting next to them in the pews, but you're not actually like communing with. You're not talking with. You're not breaking the bread, which is a part of fellowship, um, which we'll dive into next time. You don't but have like, enough time to get to know needs. Yeah. To learn how, how to bear, bear them, them yeah. by giving of resources that you very well may have. Yeah. You know, which is just one of those. We're, it's one of those things that's always kind of gotten to me. Um, and Meredith, I, de I definitely want you to say what you said in the first part again about like, like we read this section of scripture and the one that I'm about to get into where Paul explains it, Second Corinthians 8. Um, and sometimes our reflex as good old Western capitalist trained Americans is to look at that and be like, oh, I don't really have to follow that or or worse that must not mean what a plain reading of that mm. would imply it means because if it meant the way it sounded then isn't that socialism or communism and I don't want to do that you know and then mm. once you come to that conclusion you know you just kind of harden your heart to the text and don't meditate on it further because you're not a socialist yeah. yeah, no, and I think it's it goes back to what we said in an earlier episode of you don't you're not supposed to let your politics interpret your orthopraxy or your practice of Christianity, right? You're supposed to let your Christianity affect all of your aspects of your life. Because when you let your political thoughts start defining your it really starts with what you won't do that's yeah. really like how that's really what happens like it doesn't actually challenge your doctrine yet it's just well i'm not gonna do that because mm -hmm. i'm not one of them all right. right so it starts at orthopraxy right? right yet you can't really get around the doctrine because again it's it's just written yeah you know so instead of affecting that you affect your heart orthopathos right, right. feeling right. you harden your heart Right. to the practice and once you've conquered those two things once you've done that then you know you either just ignore the doctrine or rewrite it to where it's like well mm -hmm. what paul's talking about here is you know it's like like it feels weird to me when people open up with this with all right now careful guys this isn't so you know what i mean like yeah. you know, if, think... if your audience is prone to that then that makes sense but like just yeah. exegete and yeah. you don't have that problem and I think it also inhibits your ability to be able to do like kingdom building work. You know, if you are automatically going into your um, your fellowship time, listening to a sermon on Sunday morning at your church, or even just your own personal study time with that kind of a mentality of, ooh, that's the other side's, you know, way of thinking or the their way of doing instead of like, this is what God's calling me to do then you automatically are keeping yourself from having the father's heart towards the people he's calling you to go serve. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's people that are already in your, in the body, right? Not just in your divisive congregation that's in a sub denomination, right? But like in the body, because we are all one body in, in Christ, right? Um, as Paul writes, like having the same mind, like we are called to fellowship with one another, regardless of our political sways or our ideologies on life like we're called to lay those aside to be able to care for 
our brothers and sisters and bring other everybody else into the kingdom. And so if you're getting lost in the sauce of whatever it may be, we pick on politics a lot, but that's a big one in American culture. But it's like, a, yeah, it's a big idol. Word. It is. Um, <clears throat> like, but, I know, I know what the scriptures say, but I got to run it past the prophets of Steven Crowder and Ben Shapiro <laughs> before I know if it's really something yeah. that I need to practice, bro. If you're getting lost in the sauce of all those things, then you, you really need to check your heart on, is it really abiding with Christ? You know, or is it abiding with, as you said, the Stephen Crowder or the Ben Shapiro or fill in the blank person that you listen to on talk radio to and from work, you know? Right, right. Um, But I think it's, it, it just, this, as we said at the front, this is one of the most neglected because that's where accountability lies. And something that I think for me, the more that I've been intentional with accountability and fellowship and prioritizing those things, right? Like we've talked a lot about, like if we if we happen to miss a Sunday morning, we are not missing community group, you know, because that's where accountability lies because sin breeds in isolation. You know, if the enemy knows that he can have you by yourself, then you don't have your battle buddies, so to speak. Like you are like prime game, you know, for the enemy and spiritual warfare. Um, you can see like with COVID, which we're going to talk a lot more about that. And the back half on what um, COVID did to the church, or I should say what the church let COVID do to it. Um, you know, we'll get into it. But I think of, you know, the rise in mental health issues um, that spiked across all age groups, whether teenagers or full grown adults with anxiety and depression. And why was that? We were in isolation, right? We see that in our you know, and like the psychological side of things. So how much more spiritually that when we isolate ourselves and we're alone, that we're, we are more vulnerable to the enemy's attacks because we're not laying our burdens with each other um, to help them um, be, be carried, right? We're not allowing ourselves to be um, cared for because in a sense, if we're holding on to it in isolation, that's a form of pride. That means that we don't want to repent of, that we don't want God to touch, right? Because, ew, no, that means I'm not the God of my own life. But if we are confessing those sins in accountability, in fellowship, then the enemy does not hold power over it. And for y'all that want to resist that truth that she's spitting, it's like, well, where's where's that at in the Bible, bro? (laughs) Well, I mean, for one... uh, Acts 2. But (laughs) also uh, Proverbs 18, uh, starting in verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Yeah. That's the wisdom of God on the matter. Like, as a general rule, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Yeah. And it goes further. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Yeah. He breaks out against it. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Yeah. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Mm. Like, that's what happens. You, you you know, you don't want sound judgment. Yeah. You don't want the body of Christ uh, able to correct you and bring stuff alongside you. So you're like, you know, I'm just do fellowship on my own. You know, who really needs organized religion? And it's like, you know, as a, you know, as Pastor Mike Winger jokingly said, like, as opposed to what disorganized religion, yeah. like, what, like, right. what, what, what is, what does that statement mean? Right. Like you're just, you're just breaking out against sound judgment. Right. All you care about is expressing your own opinion without hearing any 
uh, without hearing anyone else's to the contrary. Yeah. You know, like you don't choose to fellowship based off how worthy you think the people in the fellowship are to have your presence around mm. them. Because that, you know, I mean, if you put it that way, it sounds a lot like pride, you know, but it's because, you know, we're, we're not going to say it out loud. Right. I was going to say, I was like, you know, because I, I'll, I'll admit to, I've been in seasons like this. I'm like, I'm more edified out of my own one-on-one time with the Lord than I am on a Sunday morning, you know? And like, and the reason for that is because yeah. you, yeah. well, is twofold. One, I question how that one-on-one time is going. Mm-hmm. If that's your mindset towards other people that God has saved. Right. Um, but also it's because you're not allowing it to edify. Right. You. Because exactly. if you allowed it to edify you on Sunday, then you'd be wrong. Mm-hmm. And as we just pointed out, uh, you know, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Yeah, exactly. And that, <laughs> that's what I was going to get at. It's just the, but I've, I've learned over the, over the years that I'm not truthfully edified one-on-one. I just like being by myself because I'm an introvert and going to church and fellowshipping with other people means that I have to get over my, myself <laughs> and my own preferences and desires to, to I- talk with other people and dive into their lives. But I think that, you know, we get caught up in that of like a, you know, I'm an INFJ or Enneagram blank, which don't get me started on the Enneagram, but um, at all the things with that, that, that I want to be an episode in of itself down the road. But I think that we get caught up in, I'm an introvert, so I just do better, you know, by myself. I, I, you know, I'm refreshed that way, or I'm an extrovert. I need to have other people. And they use that to neglect their time with the Lord one-on-one. But the thing is, is regardless of how you personally sway and how you're rejuvenated around people or drained by people, you're still called the fellowship. Well, I mean, those things are sins of presumption anyway, Mm -hmm. like, like, and good baseline definition, a sin of presumption is when you finish the sentence instead of God Mm -hmm. is essentially what that is. Right. It's like, you might be an introvert. You might be an extrovert, Mm -hmm. but that's not the problem. The problem (laughs) is, the, the problem is, you're either letting Satan or you finish the sentence. Yeah. It's like, okay, because I'm an introvert, it's like, okay, I'm an introvert or you're an introvert blank. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting God fill in that blank, you fill it in or Satan yeah. fills it in with you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. So you should right. neglect the fellowship, right? You're an extrovert. So, you know, you should never have one-on-one time with the Lord. And it's like, how does that logically follow? Like, right. like really, how does it logically follow that if, you have introverted tendencies that you shouldn't uh, have fellowship. And also, can I just say my own personal experience? I have never once, um, and people would describe me as an extroverted person. And mm-hmm. I can see why. I don't feel that way. But mm-hmm. I think that belies something of human nature. Mm. Because I yet, I have yet to meet somebody that describes themselves, that self-identifies as an extrovert when the topic of fellowship is brought up mm. i've not seen it mm-hmm. you know what i mean like the topic of fellowship comes up and now everyone's an introvert mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that you was the life of the bible study five minutes ago mm-hmm. but now that we're talking about fellowship oh man you know i'm just i'm just an introvert and, and people drain me and i'm mm-hmm. like people drain you mm-hmm. what do you since when you right. know what i mean like, right. like so so only your brothers and sisters drain you mm. That's tough. And that should speak volumes. Because it's about. like you get energy from yeah. every other social context and interaction. Right. But now there's about fellowship. 
you an introvert. I don't know, man. That, that sounds like you're letting Satan define things for you. Yeah. It sounds like you just want to isolate because you really just want to seek your own desire. Yeah. And in the context of fellowship, seeking your own desire means isolating. Yeah. Like, um, you know, quote from somebody at our Bible study last night, fire Bible study. Um, he said, there's only so far my own perspective can bring me into the knowledge of God. Mm. It's only so far. Yeah. Like you, you need other people, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to do a whole exegesis, an entire one of Second Corinthians 8. You want that? Check out episode, I think it was four, um, where we was talking about uh, social safety nets and stuff, where we talk about mm -hmm. that a bit more. But um, if you want a scriptural, what's I love about the Bible? If you really let scripture interpret scripture, you'll find that on everything important, it actually does. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want a scriptural commentary on what we just read in Acts chapter 2, you need Second Corinthians 8. Because Paul talks about it right we want you to know brothers about the grace of god that's been given among the churches of macedonia for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part for they gave according to their means as i can testify and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us accordingly we urge titus that as he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace he calls it an act of grace man and then he commands the corinthians see that you excel in this act of grace also for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich verse 13 um, for I don't mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and, who had, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Check mm. out that episode if you want the full breakdown, but suffice to say he's talking in the context of materially, Right. That's not just spiritual. He's talking materially taking care of each other. That's the act of grace. Yeah. You know? Um, and we'll get into that in the in the next part here. Um, but you know, sit on that, man. Like have a Selah moment as we go into our intermission. Yeah. And uh enjoy it. And we'll be back with the show. Fellowship of the Unashamed, an African Martyr's Last Words. I am part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. My pace is set, my gait is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I won't give up, back up, let up, or shut up until I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I must go until he returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. 
and when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It was Charles Spurgeon who said this, Do you want arguments for soul winning? Look up to heaven and ask yourself how sinners can ever reach those harps of gold and learn that everlasting song unless they have someone to tell them of Jesus who is mighty to save. But the best argument of all is to be found in the words of Jesus. You want to honor him? You desire to put many crowns upon his head? And this you can best do by winning souls for him. These are the spoils that he covets. These are the trophies for which he fights. These are the jewels that shall be his best adornment. Remember, foreigners, to be a missionary, to have an impact for the kingdom, you don't have to cross the seas. You just have to see the cross and carry it. Let's get back to the show, y'all. All right, welcome back to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the intermission. Um, I usually film the, like record those after we get done recording the main part. So like, I don't know what you guys actually listened to yet, but <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys we'll enjoyed there. it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so we spent the first half laying down uh, some theology. I want to spend this section. I'm just exploring some effects mm-hmm. of fellowship. Um, in our lives personally and throughout history that every single person, if they call themselves a Christian, has reaped the benefits of, even if they've lived entirely solitarily as a Christian since being saved. It's like you got saved and then got baptized and immediately just left the church forever. (laughs) There are these benefits of fellowship that you still uh, Mm -hmm. reap. Um, you know, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Um, And I also want to talk about, uh, I just want to be frank uh, for a moment before we get into that, though. Um, Fellowship does require commitment. I hope, I hope that much was made clear in the first, uh, in the first half so far. But I think it's also worth mentioning that it's a sacrifice that as we're going to dive into more, there's like a fruit of, you know, like it's, it's a commitment to build each other up and um, to glorify God, but there's also a bit of sacrifice in that, you know, like diving into each other's lives and bearing each other's burdens is not easy. <laughs> you know, it might require sacrifices of your finances, your time, your, um, your mental, quote unquote mental health, would, you know, I like, would say, I would think, like, I would think we've shown scripturally like, that it- will cost that like, yeah it's not really right. fellowship if it doesn't, doesn't cost, cost you any of that yeah but like we we've we've talked a lot in the past about how whenever we do end up sacrificing like we'll just use sleep right the that night of very little sleep the next day we will feel refreshed like there was a season where wednesday nights at church you know we would leave we would leave church i would talk to a friend in the car or him and i would be up talking late just kind of you know mulling over the sermon and um, conversations we had at church and, you know, and we wouldn't be going to bed until like one or two in the morning to get up at five for work. <laughs> but it would, it would always be Thursday mornings that we'd be like, man, we just feel refreshed. And like, it wouldn't be a regret of staying up late and sacrificing those things because God was in it. I think, um, 
I think that's one of the fruits of fellowship. It's just that refreshment and joy in the Lord of being a part of what he's doing and building his kingdom. And for me, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a first responder today, nor would I be just a few weeks as of this recording. Um, I'm getting my associates mm-hmm. uh, in respiratory therapy. Um, I wouldn't be about to be getting board certified in mm-hmm. that if not for the prayers yeah. and the bearing up of me um, through the years. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know I've alluded to it. We've alluded to it before that things didn't end well at all at mm-hmm. that place. Um, and that's going to be an episode for a future time. Uh, so hit that subscribe button and hit the <laughs> bell notification, fam, if you want to hear the dirty laundry. But for That's now, fair. what I want to say is um, even in a place that didn't end well, the benefits of fellowship are something that yeah. like, I'll have with me literally for the rest of my life. Like, mm-hmm. my, like, like my professional career is a result yeah. of positive fellowship. Like... Like Our my, relationship started as a result, result. <laughs> of positive fellowship. Yeah. So literally, right. um, my son Amari only exists mm-hmm. because of positive fellowship. <laughs> okay, like, and that can be said for so many of us, yeah. all of us. I, I would say, if you're if you're born again, yeah. it's from the result of a beaten and battered yet mm-hmm. unbroken chain. Yeah. Of solid fellowship oh over 2000 <laughs> years yeah. almost 2000 years yeah um let's you know let us get to 2033 and then we can say 2000 years oh my goodness so um, technical so technical i, I am bro like so i get it i'm just saying like it's not technically 2000 it's like 1900 okay, something you can years, round up though you know you can round up what if i don't want to i mean just if i want to be accurate rolls off the tongue easier if you say 2000 i'm a co-host too dang it <laughs> i want to be accurate okay gosh bro and then the next time i say it i'm gonna just like i'm gonna just say 2000 years and then i'm gonna correct you and say you should be accurate 1900 whatever whatever man whatever <laughs> but yeah like can't you hear the solid fellowship in this moment um but but no like like and for all them that may or may not be listening um like truthfully thank you yeah. like like so much of what I'm gonna what I'm going into was forged and refined. Uh, not so much forged, but refined. Yeah. Um refined with them. Yeah. You know, and like I'll carry that with me. Um like I said, I, I wish people that left bad circumstances from their previous churches were just a bit more honest. Mm. It's like I I don't hear that many stories from people that I would consider to be truly a hundred percent horrible it's like i just hear okay so you left because you didn't feel like dealing with a reformed sinner being a sinner Mm. which okay maybe that's fair maybe it's not but you know people really got to stop speaking in hyperbole about Mm. like every day that i was there was really a day wasted and i was just abused and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff and i'm like okay like you may have been there towards the end like why else would you leave if you weren't but Mm -hmm. Like, are we really going to let Satan rewrite the narrative of your life and act like every single moment at this place was horrendous and And torture? And I think I'm guilty of that. You know, like I'm guilty of letting bitterness kind of cloud my, you know, 
cloud my vision of the past events, you know, that is so easy to get caught up in and let bitterness kind of, I mean, Satan and bitterness just like rewrite and fog up your vision in that way, you know, because what does that do for your personal walk? You know, it makes you stop. It makes you doubt. It makes you question, is fellowship even worth it if they're just going to hurt me again? Yeah, like you know? it doesn't it doesn't excuse the it doesn't excuse when anyone did you. It's right. just it's just they're two separate conversations about right. how do you handle uh trauma versus um was there any fruit, was there anything right. worthy of praise? Like why do you think Paul tells us to think on those things? Yeah. Think on anything that yeah. was worthy of praise from you know a, a tough situation. And right. we got a lot. I got a list. <laughs> I got a list. I'm about I'm about to, I'm about yeah. to humble a lot of people real quick. Yes, yeah, so let's dive into it then. Um so first thing I want to say, um Romans 16. Um man, where do I want to start? We had bookmarks all over we the place. Have bookmarks all so over. You know what man, let's not let's, you know what, man, let's not start Romans 16. Flow chart is better probably from second John. Yes I said second John, <laughs> not John 2. Who who reads the little Johns? We do, Meredith. We do. All right. For the pulse for those who die daily, bro. We read Second John. Anyway, yeah. Meredith, yes. if you could read that one verse towards the end of Second John. Uh, verse twelve. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. And he did have a lot to say. Um, he had just warned him about, hey, stay away from people that deny that Jesus wasn't man um i mean these days we gotta worry about people saying that he wasn't god but in the yeah. early days um which i think is such an interesting thing yeah. that like the power and the miracles he displayed were so obvious that the only passable lie was he must not be human yeah i think that's very interesting right. um but a topic for another time um he had a lot that he wanted to say but he was just look man like i'm coming to y'all you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. isn't interesting. In another version of events, you know, th there's a version of history where John, for whatever reason, can't get to that community. And so second John becomes like a 13 chapter book. You know what I mean? Like, like he had a lot more to say. And we know that 13 verse book. No. John. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So like, sorry. yeah <laughs> like, 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 like he would have wrote more if he couldn't have come yeah, to them. Right. You know, right. um, kind of like uh, Paul with uh Romans or some of these other books, like, because I can't get to you, we're going to write this. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, do you have that heart for mm. the brothers and sisters? You know, yeah. um, I know Meredith's got a lot to say, uh, but that particular attitude was not embodied during COVID. Yeah. I'll let you rant. Yeah. No, the, for me, I think something, cause I remember when lockdown first happened and you read all these stories of, people like legit panicking on like, how are we going to do church? You know? And I remember, you know, hearing of so many churches that um, you went one way or the other. It felt like there was not, um, no middle ground. there was no middle ground in that. Like you either went and you disobeyed the governing authorities and you met in church anyways and was a poor witness in that regard and got a lot of churches shut down in that way. And can I just say, um, just quick little thing here yeah. that in most places, like if you weren't in, um, the places that shall not be named of certain areas of New York and California, <laughs> that like the stuff that was asked was not, mm -hmm. um, unreasonable by the standards of, human history yeah like for real. 
Yeah. Like the church in the New Testament obeyed way stricter things, mm-hmm. you know, and disobeyed when it was necessary, man. I know there's a, I know y'all ain't never read no Fox's Book of Martyrs, but if you ever <laughs> pick that book up and yeah. you get a few chapters into the bloodbath, mm-hmm. when there's a moment where they talk about how the churches like met together and decided that it would be wiser to forego self-defense and like stocking up weapons for the sake of the testimony in their time. And mm-hmm. I just got to say, look, we, we would never make that decision. Not yeah. because we're smarter than them, but because we're more foolish. Yeah. You know, like we got our eyes on different stuff, right. but like, yeah, especially seeing as like everybody had to follow it. Yeah. Like New York and California were weirdos because they were the ones singling out and like going yeah. after the church and they had something a little bit different to Yeah, there's a handle there, but, but but in like where we're at yeah. in North, North Carolina, Carolina like, like there yeah. wasn't really much picking on the church as far as I could tell. Like I the think... only exceptions when we actually read the state statutes mm-hmm. on who was exempt from stuff. Like the only exemptions were like like religious stuff, like mm-hmm. like churches could go from meeting in 10 to meeting in 50 if they want to do a wedding or a funeral or mm-hmm. something like that. But like that was literally the so I'm like, mm-hmm. so we're acting like we're being hunted down when the only group that has an exception mm-hmm. is us. Right. And so you had people that were on that extreme or people that were on the extreme of, well, you know, I can just forego fellowship entirely and just watch a, you know, just watch the video. Now, there's nuances, of course, the immunocompromised that stayed, but there's still Zoom meetings. There's still those things, right? Like, there were people that I know that, like, legit just forego interacting, period. You know, even through, like, a digital space like Zoom. There's <laughs> Isolated. Nuance, but yeah, there's nuance there. Most of us don't exist in a nuance. Yeah, exactly. We would rather live in a black and white. And I remember, so, like, my church in Orlando, shout out to Calvary Tabernacle, did a wonderful job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I just remember sitting there one Sunday, uh, I think it was like a Wednesday night Bible study or Tuesday night or something. It was like a midweek thing. And, you know, we, the congregation's primarily older generation, right? Elderly, some people in wheelchairs or an oxygen tube. And what we did is we spread out across a whole parking lot and there wasn't that many. There was like maybe 15 people max that would show up, right? So we were still within the realms of that guideline and we spread out all across the parking lot. So we all had six feet, you know? And we met and we, we dived into the word and we prayed with each other. And I just remember being like, oh, more of this, you know, now we see, we see so many churches, you know, what almost three years removed at this three years, exactly this month. Right. Mm-hmm. It was March, 2020 when it shut down, um, when the world shut down, but, um, we see now so many churches that have broken apart because of the, like the foregoing of. Uh, fellowship. And we're not saying everybody should have broken the rules, but honestly, like he was saying a minute ago, the guidelines were not that restrictive, that it was very easy to stay in guidelines and still have fellowship and meet together and get into the word and follow these, you know, these commands in scripture of um, bearing each other's burdens. Like how many burdens were there in COVID <laughs> to were, bear? There were more burdens to bear. Yeah. And we abandoned the right. thing that God designed right. to bear the burden and again and, and again i'm not like we're not talking about yeah fellowship as defined by Society, meeting yeah. in the actual like Sanctuary, chapel building yeah. even though there's nothing wrong with that like god right. gave israel a temple like that's mm-hmm. cool um but like we are that temple physically like that right. outward 
building has become us the people. Yeah. And so we're defining fellowship as what we talked about in the first half. Right. Right. Like, and what, and what did it actually say? Like yeah. it said they were meeting mm -hmm. in each other's homes yeah. daily. Yeah. Like or you I remember, could say near daily yeah. to bear each other's burdens and mm -hmm. pray. Like, come on now. Can we, can we at least admit, can we yeah. at least admit that, the restrictions for pretty for most places yeah at the very least for north carolina yeah but the restrictions did not prohibit you from going over to people's houses and at the very least like i had friends in orlando that lived with immunocompromised people so meeting in each other's homes was scary you know to be honest and it probably would have been more of a burden not to uh, like you wouldn't be bearing it you would be creating another so you know what we did we sat in our cars, we grabbed takeout, and we broke bread in a parking lot in but, our cars with the windows but down. But here's what I have to say but, to that, right? Yeah. It's, it's not like they became immunocompromised when a new virus came Right. Out. They always They were. always so were. It's like, so it was always consideration for them. So it's like, just especially so during something like COVID. But I, I just feel like it was more of an excuse. Because mm -hmm. it's like if COVID wasn't a thing, you wouldn't quote unquote care to the point of action mm -hmm. um, about the fact they were immunocompromised. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like... You're saying that now because it also has the convenient side effect of meaning, well, you know, I can't really do the fellowship thing because, mm -hmm. you know, you're immunocompromised. And I was like, they're immunocompromised the week before COVID mm -hmm. was a thing. Right. But, like, you weren't changing your lifestyle right. at that point for them, even though you knew that then. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I just have a tough time believing that for some people mm -hmm. that was the thing i think it was more like like COVID some people really use it as a scapegoat rather COVID, than a legitimate concern yeah COVID really did reveal yep. hearts man there's a bishop um there's a bishop over some region of the church um a long time ago during some plague in rome and some of his writings and personal diary and stuff have survived and some of the stuff he wrote from that time was really profound yeah. And what he said was, in his opinion, this man was a Christian, you know, like believe the doctrines, like he's he's a foreigner, we're gonna meet him in the kingdom. Um, one thing he said was that God uses plagues to bring up what's in us. Yeah. Like, like the plague reveals what's in you and grows it. So, like, if what was already in you was a desire to not meet with people, if that was already the way you leaned, right. then the plague. In his case, um, it was, I don't know what it was. I think it, we think it was maybe smallpox now, mm. but whatever plague they suffered from back then, um, from his observations, he was like, yeah, like the people that were already hard of heart towards Christianity got more hard. Right. And the people that were already beginning to lean into self-denial just jumped into that. Right. Um, the self-denial of picking up your cross, that is. Right. So like, you know, and I just remember reading that during the first couple during the first initial wave of COVID. And I was like, dude, like, like you wrote that, like what, 16, 1700 years ago, but like, that's still true today. Like I'm yeah. watching it happen. Like I'm watching people of hard heart, like not bear burdens and like just getting fights, actual fights that I had to like step into and break up in Walmart over toilet paper, mm -hmm. you know? But I'm like, honestly though, like knowing some of these regulars, I'm like, I would expect that of you, honestly. Yeah. Like you don't see, you didn't seem like you was a Christian before. Yeah. And you're just proving that now. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, like, and, and it, again, shows itself now that, like, COVID isn't handled or nothing like that. Like, don't ever hear me say that. But, like, you know, we're getting back to a semblance of life. Mm -hmm. And people are still, yep. like, 
well, I mean, I don't know, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, you weren't really about it before. Like, yeah. that's... The you just pl- don't have your excuse of COVID anymore. Yeah, God uses plagues to bring up what's in us. Yeah. The same way he does with everything, though, right? Yeah. Right? Enduring through suffering proves his character. Yeah. And not enduring through suffering mm. destroys your character. Yeah. You know? Right. And but- that's it. It's, yeah. And it's like, it's not a reckless abandon of following government orders. You could have. That's like, that. that still blows my mind is just how easy it was to still submit been. to the governing authorities, but also still fellowship with one another. Been a fire witness for Jesus, yeah. bro. That like, no matter what we're going to do, we're going to honor you and yeah. we're going to honor our king. All right. Yeah. Like those, those are non-negotiables. We right. honor Jesus and we but, honor you no matter what. But we are so caught up as the American church with quote unquote church being Sunday morning service in the sanctuary rush home to your football game yeah it just yeah it you shows know that it's not true fellowship shows that we were never yeah. defining it according to acts 2 in the first place right um and so of course when push comes to shove the thing that man created broke apart and couldn't you know actually handle the difficulties of life because it's not the gospel um you know i i just think that's just a point worth stating because it still applies today right, right. covid is no longer really a thing in the sense of an obstacle to fellowship, but other things that existed before COVID still are, right? Your busy schedule, your 9 million soccer games between your like two kids, which is like (laughs) absolutely insane. uh, Um, Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, can we at least admit, can we at least admit that listening to all the theology, listen, all that scripture breaking down in the first half, you have to admit, yeah, to do this the way the Bible actually describes it, means that I'm going to have to drop a lot of the things in my life that I consider just as or more important. Yeah. means I'm going to have to restructure my time. means I'm going to have to fight to make more than just Sunday and Wednesday Mm -hmm. open to be in people's lives and have people in our life. Like, like we, we have at least, we, we usually have like half the week where we've got somebody over here and we're Mm -hmm. just like discipling. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's like, yo, you're coming over this day and we gonna cook food, have a lot of good times, have a lot of laughs mm-hmm. and go through Romans. You right. know, we're going to go through Romans and, you know, you know, um, Meredith, you know, mm-hmm. you're usually like helping with uh, helping with his wife and just kind of mm-hmm. easing that burden and just kind of commiserating sometimes, which mm-hmm. is such a good thing. Um, someone else is like, hey, um, you were in the same situation that I was in with the church that just kind Mm -hmm. of fell apart and started getting weird. We got to walk through that trauma. Let's walk through the book of Psalms. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's walk through, let's teach you how to lament in a way that brings life, like fellowship, my guy, like that's, that's our life. Yeah. Like when people ask like, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, dude, like I build the kingdom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like what? You don't want to go for like a bar crawl. You don't want to, that does not get me, bro. No. That's not cool, bro. Right. What's fun about that, man? Right. It's more fun to see people come to life in Christ, man. Right, instead of torn down. Gosh, bro. And also, I just never understood that mentality of, like, I'm going to get so wasted that I can't remember it the next day. Okay. You know? Okay. Like, I'm going to get, get so up in the spirit that I can't forget it for I know. any of my days. I'll take <laughs> that, sounds, that, that over what you're talking about, bro. Much more exhilarating. Um, But, like, as we come into the last, uh, you know, it's not yeah. really last few minutes, we're in, like, the last eight or so, but... I want to talk about some, again, just from the scripture, for all y'all that want to be bah humbug, <laughs> all right? Now we hop over Romans 16. Yeah. Um, 
Romans 16. I don't think I have the first number. Um, oh, that's cool. Uh, Romans 16, I'll, I'll handle this one. Uh, verse 20 and then verse 22. Um, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Um, again, read chapter 16. You'll see Paul's talking to the entire church of Romans. Like, mm-hmm. there's an element of the defeat of Satan that's only realized in the community. Yeah. Mm. Um, not alone. Like, Ooh, he, say that again. He, he, didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say that Satan is crushed under your feet as individuals. Right. No, that is doctrinally true based on earlier stuff. He's saying, no, as a community, he's under your feet. Yeah. Right? Right. Think of the book of Joshua when those five Mm -hmm. kings were defeated and Mm -hmm. Joshua had the entire nation put their necks underneath their feet. Mm -hmm. He's under all of us. Yeah. Not you as individuals, bro. Uh, Verse 22 in this chapter. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Tertius who? Hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this man? (laughs) I thought Paul Paul wrote Romans. Yeah. Well, yes, but so did Tertius. Yeah. You know, like he had help. Yeah. And writing it, you know, like I picture this guy, Tertius, who's actually physically writing the letter, you know, Paul's dictating to him and Tertius just kind of stops. And he's like, maybe you want to word that differently. Like, that doesn't <laughs> like that doesn't come you across sure, well, but that, that maybe it's not the best way to phrase it. Yeah. Um, or the Gentile half of the audience might not. Do like, you want to get canceled, Paul? Like, you know what I mean? Like he <laughs> like he had help in constructing this thing right yeah. so like you may not like fellowship but every time you're edified out of the book of romans it was fellowship that's building you up in your solitude Ooh. all right um <clears throat> but where i really want to go yeah. where i really want to go luke chapter one yeah luke chapter one i'll, I'll let you read uh, luke one there that, that one's fun bro that one's fun while you're going there uh you should also know like we said in the uh episode on the apostles teaching mark you know, the Mark that abandoned Paul and then mm. came back. He had at Mark. Mm. Wrote this, wrote yeah. Mark's gospel um, as the memoirs of Peter. Like Peter's his primary source. And you can tell that from some of the literary devices that he uses. Yeah. You know, again, fellowship, you know, really the church kind of commissioned Mark to write it. So, you know, fellowship. Yeah. Um, but yeah. big boy fellowship, man, Luke 1. Yeah. Read that intro. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those among who, us, yeah, again, community, <laughs> just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, to us communally, <laughs> it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, singular, most excellent Theophilus, one dude. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Singular from a group. All right. So let this sink in. When we talk about original audiences, right? Because that's like a big thing. You get get into a book, but who's the original audience? You know what I'm saying? Was it the Greeks? Was it the Romans? Well, Luke is unique. It had an original audience of one. Yeah. One dude. Yeah. Most excellent Theophilus, whoever that guy is, (laughs) that is who Luke literally says he wrote the book for. Yeah. For what purpose, Meredith? It's right there in verse four. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. That he might be sure of the first means of grace. Mm. The apostles teaching. Yep. 
He received the apostles' teaching. He needed to be shored up in it. And what happened? Some fellowship with Luke yeah. got him the answer. Yeah. Right? But I want to consider this, right? Because again, this tie this comes full circle back to back to Acts 2 yeah. about bearing burdens. Yeah. Right? Theophilus had a burden. I'm uncertain of the things of which I was taught. Mm. Just having that conversation with Luke, brother. I mean, this all sounds good, but like I just got something. I, mean, I don't know. You know, did Jesus do this? Did he not do this? There's rumors flying around that geographical area and what Jesus did and didn't say. Um, <clears throat> so what does Luke do? Mm. You know what, Theophilus, man, I'm gonna help you out. All right. I don't know what I'm. I mean, I know Luke's a physician, so dude's got a practice. <laughs> all right, he dude's is. got a practice, and what does he do? He says, "You know what, man? I've been following this stuff pretty closely for some time. I'm gonna check back with the eyewitnesses, and I will compile yeah. a whole report for you." Yeah, I'm like Luke, you you a you a doctor, bro? I can tell, bro. He yeah. said, "Don't worry, bro. I'll chart it for you." Like, yeah, for one person, yeah. Don't even read Luke. Just yeah. slowly flip through the pages and feel how long this mug was. Yeah. Next time you're in Luke, look at how amazing the literary structure is in Luke. Luke put his foot in this thing for one guy. For one guy. Yeah. That's the benefits of fellowship. Yeah. That's what a real church community would do for you, bro. So. Oh, you unsure? <laughs> you unsure? We're going to up the book of the Bible count to 66 <laughs> just for you. Just for you, my yeah. guy. Like, I will trek across the known Greek world for you. Yeah. So, le oh, listener, what would you do to edify the body? What would you do to build up your body? What yeah. would your body do for you? Not yeah. to make things about you, but right. just to keep it a buck. Yeah. Like, but if we don't want to talk about ourselves, right? what would you do? Yeah. For those that you fellowship with. Right. Come on, man. Luke went to the ends of the earth for one guy. Mm. One guy. And then he did it again when he wrote Acts. Yeah. I think Theophilus is mentioned again at the opening of Acts. I, I gotta, say that name sounds familiar to me. I, I got to check. I'm flipping there now. I, I got to check this before we run out of time. Because <laughs> if so, that's going to be where we end it. Because come on now, man. Like, yeah. like, that's tough if that's the case. In the first book, oh, Theophilus. Mm -hmm. This man wrote two books of scripture for one guy for one guy and half the time we won't even stay after five minutes to pray with somebody mm. come on man gotta get home to the food in that crock pot man come on man like football game's about to start come on man like what are we doing yeah what are we doing as the church man mm. you know all I, all I gotta say is do better, man. All I gotta say is do better. Um, but yeah, like fellowship's important. Um, don't lose it. Next episode, we're gonna be talking about um, breaking of bread. Yeah, one of my favorites. Breaking of bread, communion, I, community. I like bread. All right, so until then, peace. <laughs>